driver interpreted for me and asked them, you know, what, what do you need? What can we do for you? And it turns out that they were starving. They had no money for food. The main source of income for them was to collect plastic bottles and metal cans off the side of the road and try and turn it in for a profit. And Welcome to the Phase 4 Podcast, inspired by Vishen Lakhiani and Ajit Nawalka, co-founders of Evercoach, a division of Vine Valley. In this podcast, we speak to coaches and creatives about where they were, where they are, and where they are going. This is the intersection of what we focus on expands, and your story is your superpower. My guest today is Cody Granin. He is a heart-centered leader who has a mission that I want to share with all of you, and it's called Give the Goodness Global. And the highest priority of Give the Goodness Global is to promote effective initiatives that serve the areas that need them the most. They believe in taking action with urgency in order to raise public awareness about some of the most pressing issues facing today's most underserved and impoverished societies around the globe. And I got the founder with me here today, Cody. And Cody, welcome to the podcast. Hey, JP. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. I love what you're doing. And um, the listeners will see a pattern that's been happening the last month or so where not only is there a lot more men coming on, but men with missions. And so I think I usually start with where you were and maybe that's a good place to start before we get into your mission. Sure. Um, where we were. Uh, wow. Uh, in what context? Let me ask you that. Yeah, for sure. So that's my fault. Um, so I guess usually I start with where we were, like before you ended up coming to this new part of your life. I know yeah, in the sure. past, I don't know if it was army, but I know the military and then things started to change. So. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, so where I was, was small town, Southern Indiana for, uh, significant, my formative years grew up joined the military, got out, got to see the world a little bit. Uh, I spent about 10 years serving in the army. And once I finished up my service, I got out, moved to Arizona, got into university, uh, studied molecular biology and biochemistry, um, took that knowledge and got into the cannabis industry started working, uh, doing chemical extractions and things of that nature with cannabis. And, um, I, I eventually got tired of working in the industry, having a business there and sold basically everything I owned and packed away whatever I didn't want to get rid of into a storage container. And last May, um, I just decided to pack up and, uh, take my suitcase and travel straight to Southeast Asia, started in, in Bali, Indonesia. And that's, uh, that's kind of how uh, how we all all this got started in the first place. That's where I was. That's awesome. So, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, and I think molecular biology. That's there's a weird mix there, right? You go from the army, then the cannabis, and I I think I heard you say you wanted to be a medical doctor, and then you figured out maybe the timeline doesn't really fit with your lifeline. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as I, I'd mentioned on Jess's podcast, uh, Jess, the travel transformation coach, that wonderful woman, I I intended initially to try and go to medical school. However, not only did I realize I'd be paying off student loan debt into my 50s, um, the timeline that I had on it, coming to school late at around 28, 29 years old, there was just I didn't have enough commitment of it in me to do those things at that time. So I decided, okay, there's got to be something else I can do with this. And, and, uh, I was very fortunate to have a lot of friends in the cannabis industry at the time that pushed me in that direction. Yeah. And so the mind is telling you that first to go to do this, but then your heart has a bigger calling, which kind of brings us to now, I guess. And what is that calling? And, Talk about that. So, uh, um, my, my life's purpose now, I feel like, well, I, I'll start by saying I felt very lost for a number of years after my military service. Uh, you, 
you create such a bond of brotherhood and the camaraderie that you share with these gentlemen that you serve with, especially, you know, if it's a yeah, decade, you know, you grow up there. Uh, for instance, like I was 17 years old when I joined and 27 when I got out. So I grew up there. I made my friends there and it forms your identity, uh, essentially. So coming out of that, you they prepare you somewhat to come to the real world, but I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I, I kind of lost sight of what my purpose was because I, for a very long period of time in my life, I knew exactly what I was going to be doing, when I was going to be doing it, how I was going to be doing it and with whom. Um, but then it just all kind of dis dissipated. And then it was like, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life now? Um, so that brought me to, See, during my travels, uh, I started to feel this innate guilt of traveling without, no, I want to call it intentional travel. I, I felt this guilt about traveling and impeding on local cultures without uh, providing anything or giving anything in return. Um, so uh, in Siem Reap, I just, I had a, a very, very special moment with a, a tuk-tuk driver that uh, he was telling me all about how tourism had been shut down for so long in CM Rape that people were losing jobs, they were losing their homes, they were losing family members to sickness and death, um, and that he was just so happy to have someone come and ride in his tuk-tuk and to make money. And I, I was just really taken aback by that. So I told the man, you know, hey... Uh, surely there's something we can do, you know, to make this a little, a little more interesting for the day. Right. So I asked the man if he would take me to meet the poorest family that he knew. Uh, I was like, you know, if, if it's such, such a problem, please show me, take me. I want to see, like, I would love to be able to have visible knowledge of this. And that way I'm no longer a complacent traveler and not complicit in the ignorance that goes on whenever people do tend to travel. And he did. The the man, he took me to, um, uh, I don't really know what the name of it is. I mean, I, I got it on Google Maps on my phone. It's street number 15 past uh, Runtaek and Siem Reap, Cambodia. But he took me down this little alleyway. One side is uh, like a canal with a field and some woods. And the other side is the cement wall of a Wat uh, temple area. And just kind of, it was a shanty town, man. And uh, looking out and seeing young children just emaciated and sick and just miserable looking and families living underneath tarps and in barely even tents um, and in sheet metal houses that were, you know, you got four pieces of sheet metal if you're lucky and it's it's rather hot out here. So they're, they're living in a sweat box essentially and... I just it was it was an awful, awful, awful sight, and it made me like for the first time in a long time cry. Um, and I, I, I literally just torrent, torrent of pouring tears out of my face for these people. And uh, I ended up meeting um, a woman named Ratana and her family, who are uh, for anyone that goes later and looks at Give the Goodness Global's web pages or our Instagrams, you'll see. They were the very first family uh, that we helped, and I met them, and at the time that I had met them, they were living underneath a tarp, uh, a blue tarpaulin, literally, uh, on top of wooden pallets, and I, I just, you know, I thought, I have to do something. What can I do? And the tuk-tuk driver interpreted for me and asked them, you know, what, what do you need? What can we do for you? And it turns out that they were starving. They had no money for food. The main source of income for them was to collect plastic bottles and metal cans off the side of the road and try and turn it in for a profit. And even that was, that's barely enough to get, uh, you know, a kilogram of rice if you're lucky, depending upon how much you can accumulate. So their big request was, uh, we need a bug zapper, we need food, we need water, clean water, uh, filters for drinking water. And it was in those moments right there, taking them to the market, withdrawing from the ATM and and uh, going about our business, buying and purchasing all of the necessities uh, and 
and their happiness during that, that is the moment that I knew, okay, this is my life's purpose now. This is my new path. This is my new mission. This is what I'm going to do now for the rest of my life. Brilliant. Yeah, it's so magical, right? We we take it for granted, especially in the West, where we're just like, you're, you're oh, I'm hungry, I'm starving. And it's like, you don't even know what starving is, right? Or <laughs> just like, it, like however bad, and I, I'm not downplaying depression or anxiety or all these problems that we're seeing happen around, but however bad we have it, it's it's not that bad, right? When you see that kind of thing. It really makes you stop and, and reevaluate the the way we utilize words, especially uh, Western culture wise, you know, that the whole thing you said just now, the starving, um, just this past, just this past week, uh, Fernay and I, my social outreach coordinator, she and I went out and uh, visited Ratana's family in that area again. And uh, we were there to make a donation instead of donating just to Ratana, this time we ended up donating to the entire village, which was seven families deep because they literally had run out of rations and were starving to death at that point. People, they, they, they had no food. They, they were out. <laughs> so sad. And uh, something, I, it reminds me, of, like I've been to Cuba and it's the same idea where the people just have nothing. And so whenever we go to Cuba, we we go away from the tourist spots we'll grab a scooter or a moped and we'll drive to another city and we bring all old clothes with us like makeup lipstick pencil crayons just gum kids never seen gum they didn't even know what it was yeah but just like it makes you feel so fortunate for what we have and how blessed we are and then on the other side it makes you fortunate that you can actually help these kids too right like I remember pulling over on a moped and there was this, this little girl and her mom there. And we went to just give her like um, some clothing and we opened up the backpack. And within 10 seconds, there was like a hundred people there that came out of nowhere. And it was like, yeah, it was like, Oh my God, this is really sad almost. Right. Like, and it makes you like, we all should be doing more. So I'm definitely grateful that that came to you, that that idea came to you. And, what are what are some of the kind of programs or some kind of um, givebacks that you guys do, or I guess expand on give the goodness global? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so give the goodness global. What we are kind of trying to do right now um, is, as we stated earlier, is we're trying to raise awareness for some of the most underserved societies around the globe and. The first problem is identifying those places. So once we have identified, uh, so for us, for me personally, um, Cambodia and the Philippines are two of the most underserved populations, I would say, in the world, um, arguably. And the programs that we have running currently are school feeding programs in the Philippines uh, when school is in session. And actually, I think we have one of those coming up here in October, um, but we'll be we'll be taking money and donating it to a local charity uh, with a gentleman that I trust very much, Adrian um, Balligan. He is part of the C CIA CSI. I can't quite recall the the acronym for their organization, but they are uh, in Ilocano Regional charity that will go to schools and cook a home-cooked meal whether it be arroz caldo or sopa soups and uh, they feed the entirety of the school for whatever day that that might be a lot of these kids aren't eating enough they're not eating enough when they get home because their families don't have work or they don't have money or they're very poor so that is that is one of the programs that we run our school feeding programs. Um, one of the interest, more interesting ones of the school feeding programs for me was how can we take this and kind of turn it, tweak it a little bit to where it yields a little more. And that's uh, kind of a friend of mine. It dawned on me like, oh, we're using plastic cups or styrofoam cups. Ah, oh, that's you know that's really too bad that we're we have to use something so non-sustainable. Um, 
how can we make this different or make it better? Uh, and we took those cups and had the children, after they got done eating their food out of them and drinking their drinks, they went and, you know, would take soil and fill them with soil and then they'd plant a seed. Uh, so we did a, a seed planting to create a garden for the school. And I believe it was eggplant and a couple of other, um, a couple of other vegetables, but I don't, I can't remember exactly what they were, but eggplant, tomato, maybe a couple other things. Uh, so that was one of the, one of my, one of my more favorite projects that we've done that the school feeding program, um, Cambodia, we do sponsorships for families. Um, since we are such a small organization and when I say small, I mean, there are literally two of us that, that do this work. <laughs> And we operate out of either GoFundMe donations, which are usually very small, uh, or out of my pocket personally. Um, we we sponsor families. We will find a family that is either homeless, at risk of becoming homeless, or they're starving. They don't maybe they have the money for rent, but they don't have the money for food. Maybe they they've got a house, but they have a debilitating condition in which they can't afford medicine for whatever it is. And then we'll find those people, that underserved group, and then we will come and provide funding for them. And unlike other other institutions, we will go directly hands on ground, uh, boots on ground and hands on and literally take those people directly to the market make sure that they get exactly what it is that they need to feed themselves or if it's to go to the doctor to get medication we'll do that but we're, we always make sure that we're there uh live and in person or livers and in, in caller as we like to say um so uh it's definitely you know feeding people trying to keep them from homelessness if they are in a homelessness situation uh looking at ways of trying to elevate the situation that they're in so they don't have to suffer as much uh, and then trying to generate more ideas on how to create sustainability projects that help them pull themselves out of poverty, basically. Yeah, that's magical. There's a bunch there. So I actually had written down boots on ground and then you just said it. And I was, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like it brings for your military background, it brings a whole new meaning to boots on ground. And Absolutely. then the idea of reusing the cups like there's so much magic in just that one idea. So there's abundance in there, right? You're taking it, you're using the same thing to produce something else that's magical. But you're not only planting seeds for these young people, you're literally planting seeds so that they can eat. And by doing that, you're actually planting internal seeds that later in their life, hey, there is somebody who cares about us and there is somebody who wants to help. And I just, I believe this is like, our purpose in life, right? And you, you hear all the time when people do stuff like this, they are more full inside. And when you fill your own cup, you can serve. And it's just, it, it's a, one of the keys to happiness. I'm not going to say the key to happiness, but, and it's our purpose. Um, I think a really good friend of mine is doing the same thing in Africa for um, young men. And he's teaching them how to be entrepreneurs on the ground. He goes to Africa teaches them how to be entrepreneurs so that they can take it back to their community. And then even as simple as you're saying with the soil, he's teaching them little things like um, growing gardens in their community. And so these people never thought it was possible. Oh, what happens now? <clears throat> that guy's growing cucumbers, that guy's growing tomatoes, whatever it is. And now they can have commerce between each other. And it's like, so the effect is like so much. It's not just one, you helping one person, you're helping their community. They're helping each other. And I love I it. I love that. That's an amazing program. I love that so much. The idea of them being able to have commerce and then entrepreneurship on top of that. That is an amazing program. Kudos to him. Kudos to yeah. that man for sure. Yeah. That's like, well, um, teach a man to fish, right? Instead of just giving him the fish. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And That's so not, I, that, that'd be, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that becomes one of the more difficult aspects, actually, uh, that I'd like to was wanting to touch on on this podcast is that, um, you know, some of there are certain programs or I'm sorry, there are certain families that no matter what you do, they're always going to need some sort of assistance. Um, 
you can teach them to fish as many times as you want, but at the end of the day, are they going to fish or are they not? You know, it's, uh, and there are some families that are just not going to fish. Uh, and it's in those moments, I, I think about their children, you know, if it were just the family themselves, it would be a different story because they're adults and they're responsible, right. For themselves. But when I see these families that have children and I know that they're not going to fish, then it kind of changes my tune a little bit on, okay, well, I'm comfortable parting with this much, you know, like there's a line that I'll come up to, but won't cross, but there are definitely, there's definitely an allotment there for the families that will not fish no matter what you do. And it, it is a sad reality, but it's, it's, it's a fact of life and an unfortunate part of our trade really. Yeah. It's the same here. Even I, I, I work with, um, chronic pain, anxiety, depression groups, but it's that kind of population where it doesn't matter. Like I can say, look, if you do these 20 things or not even, if you do these five things for a year, your life will completely change. I guarantee it. They're not going to do it. And so we still have to have empathy and be there to kind of lift them up. And that's just a part of it. They're just not ready. They don't know their awareness isn't there. And so, yeah, I can definitely dig that. Uh, I got a question. So as I'm thinking about my buddy in Africa, I know him. He's like, that was him since he was five, even though he lives in Canada, he's always been in Africa. And, and so what drew you to Cambodia or that part of the world in particular? Was there something? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, it, it wasn't anything special. It was a visa run. I, I was in Thailand at the time. After my trip to Bali, I came to Thailand, had fun there. Um, I went to Vietnam, I think after, and actually it was prior to Vietnam and I just, I needed a border run. So I came to Cambodia and I hit the border and the border run is so quick that, you know, you just walk across and you walk back, you've got your stamp and you're on your merry way. And I, I said, just didn't feel great about that. And, uh, I wanted to go back and I wanted to see what Cambodia was like. And the tickets were so cheap. I, I couldn't afford not to go at that point, basically. So uh, I decided to fly in to see him reap. I wanted to see Angkor Wat terribly, terribly, terribly bad. Uh, to this day, sadly, I still have not seen Angkor Wat. Uh, my girlfriend and I are probably going to be going this weekend, hopefully, or later on in next week. Um, but yeah, man, Angkor Wat drew me in uh, afterneath, or afterneath, excuse me, after after the the visa run and it just it was uh oh so the strangest twist of fate this is where i found my life's final purpose or the my life's next purpose as i like to put it that way uh i found my life's next purpose just because i happened to need a visa run one day and then oh angkor watts here i've heard about that on um ancient aliens or some youtube video that was on at 2 a.m one night you know and uh yeah that's that that's it that's that's how it happened just like that Magic. That's awesome. Yeah, it is magic. And there's a, something in there for because of the style of this podcast and we're coaches, creatives, growth-minded, action-oriented, is the action. You could think about it all you want in your head, but the fact that you were actually physically doing it and you took the action and while you were there, it's like, I'm already here. Let's do it. We want to do it. Do stuff, right? And then especially for people who don't know where they're going or what you want. There's no way you're going to sit in a room and figure it out. And we always talk about manifesting here. I'm not sure if you are. Oh, oh yes. Oh, and yeah. so I'm when we, all right. So when we talk about manifesting, a lot of times people are like, yeah, you just kind of sit there and meditate, visualize and project your future. And, but you actually have to get up and go do something after that. You can't just do it that way. So that's what happened, right? You went to go get your visa and you're physically there and you're present. That's I think the point I want to make there is that you are present. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Manifestation. You, you really, you really nailed it there when you said that. And I, I, I love that you just said that because I think about that a lot. I have friends, um, who talk constantly about the manifestation at principle and the, the secret, right? So, but the, of the same token, they'll complain, oh man, I've been, been manifesting this Ferrari for 10 years and I still don't have it. And I'm like, well, what have you done? What have you physically done to get this Ferrari? You're not just sitting on the couch thinking about Ferraris, are you? And it's a, you know, it's always some some version of that. But uh, you're right. You absolutely anyone listening, please don't just manifest. You have to get up and actually start doing things for the manifestation to work. 
hundred percent. There's a, a saying that thoughts become things, which is a little bit true, but thoughts become things when you put action behind it. So yeah, go and do it. Uh, can you, I don't want to say the word cause I'm going to get it wrong, but can you tell us about the outreach uh, program? Zach, Aki, Kemir, come. Ah, okay. Okay. So here we, we discussed this earlier, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the audience. Um, we, we're kind of up in the air on whether it's Khmer or Khmer because we've heard it. I've heard it personally, both ways from people in Cambodia. Uh, I'm going to stick with Khmer for now. Um, the what I wanted to mention about Zaki Zaki Angkor Wat is that Zaki is a wonderful man. Um, Zaki is a tuk tuk driver, or uh, as we more commonly known over here, a remarque driver. That's a motorcycle that has a carriage attached to the back of it. And I met Zaki through um, a mutual connection. I'm sorry, not a mutual connection. I met him through a uh, yeah a mutual connection that was a philanthropic person, and he just has this spirit about him. He's so happy. He's so kind. He's so friendly, and he loves that what we're doing is helping the Khmer people, basically. And every single day, this man wakes up and goes to work driving around in his tuk-tuk or his remarque to work for people. And I just, if you, if you had met, if you could meet Zaki, I wish everyone in the world could meet Zaki. And and I'm going to do a feature post for him on uh, Instagram. I give the goodness global at some point. So you all can meet him, but he has been out with us and he has taken myself and several other people that are in the philanthropic networks and charitable networks out here in Cambodia, in Siem Reap to do their business. Um, for example, just the other day, uh, this past, I'm sorry, just the other day for us in the Midwest is like, uh, anywhere from a week to a year ago, but about a week ago, this gentleman took, uh, a Western union deposit that he had been transferred, went out and met with building contractors and got cement. He got sand, he got bricks. He goes and delivers all of it to a building construction crew that went ahead and finished up doing a, uh, a charity project, building a house and the building and basically filling in the downstairs of a house for an elderly lady. Your name was Grandma Sorn. Um, but he did all of these things and he is in no way connected to the charity other than like he is the driver for it. And this man just, he just takes it upon himself to do the kindest things you could think of. I was sick. My, my girlfriend and I had EBV Epstein-Barr virus this past um, week or so. And we were so sick that we could not leave our hotel. Like there was just no way. Um, and Zachy, as sweet as he is, just showed up, you know, and then brought us fruit and medicine because he thought we had the flu. So he brought us flu medicine and apples and mangosteens and lanzones and, and rambutan uh, and quail eggs. Like this guy, he's just an amazing human being. And uh, I love him like a brother. He is, he is just very sweet. And if it weren't for Zachy, it would be, it would be very difficult for me to do what I need to do here with Give the Goodness Global, um, from translating to driving me to where I need to go. Half the time, I don't even need to tell him where, like, directions or anything. This guy knows where everything is. Like, he's just, he's always a very happy-go-lucky guy. He's very kind. He'll share his last dollar with you. This is just, he's one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met, and I just wanted to share that with with everyone. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's it's funny. I see it like sometimes the most poorest people in the world, they seem to be the most happiest people in the world. And then here we are and you got rock stars killing themselves because they can't handle all the fame and the money. And it's like, man, <laughs> something disconnect there. Um, so I have a question. This is the phase four podcast and phase four in the six phase meditation by Vishen Lakhiani is all about creating your future three years out. 
So where is Cody three years from today? Three years from now, I'm either right here in Siem Reap or I am in Thailand or I am in Vietnam and I am a 501c3 and or NGO um, director of operations or CEO. Uh, that is my, that's what I'm envisioning. And that is what I want more than anything in the world for Give the Goodness Global to become uh, a 501c3. That way we can start getting the bigger company attention and have that tax deducted status. That way more people can donate and feel comfortable donating with us because a lot of people um, feel very uncomfortable donating to a purpose if they don't have that that um, that stamp of approval from the IRS, you know, the tax the tax approval in the United States. They're worried oftentimes that, oh, this seems like it's probably a fraud. You know, they're not a 501c3, they're not an NGO, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it makes it difficult to garner donations. That's why so much of what we do is uh, so visible and we try and be as as visible as possible and as um, see-through as possible. I can't remember the word, it's escaping me right now, but um, we, we try and make sure that everything is visible for all of our donors to see. Um, but in three years, yeah, I think that's exactly where I wanna be, doing the exact same thing I'm doing right now, helping people out, making sure that you know people aren't going to starve to death and that they're not suffering from living out in the middle of nowhere with no house but living under a tarp so yeah that's about i think about three years we could accomplish that brilliant yeah there's a, a thing in 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 business and you're kind of reminding me about it it's called open book policy and it's open book mm. management sorry open book management and basically it's to get teams together once there's dysfunction inside of a team is you sit down with the the leaders of the team and say here this is what's going on this is where the money's going this is where the time and resources are going and then what happens from that is <clears throat> you're being clear with your your workers or your employees but you're also you get feedback and you get ideas of like okay well maybe you shouldn't spend all of it here because this is a better idea and otherwise you wouldn't get that but what happens like you're saying the reason it brought it up is because it's, it's about employees trusting each other and especially upper level management. But it's the same with you is that, and you said earlier about one of the guys, that guy that you trust so much, right? That's so important to have because like you're saying, it's really difficult without that status and it's really difficult to get that status. So it doesn't necessarily mean even if you have that status, right? Some people are, do have it and they're not doing the right thing. And then you're here on the other side trying to get it and you're doing the right thing. But I guess the visibility and the clarity that you're showing is um, it's not only commendable, it's important that to get your point across. As we begin to wind down, if this episode resonates with you, if you like it, share it, subscribe it, follow all that stuff. No hard sell ever. Um, and I guess I'm going to, I want to move kind of towards mentors and books of yours that you like. But before that, there's probably some more that I'm not I'm missing about give the go give the goodness global that you might want to touch <laughs> on. Maybe some new projects or anything that you wanna that's coming up. Uh yeah, absolutely. So here in the next couple of months, we're gonna have a couple of new projects coming up. Um, there's going to be a shoe donation project that we're gonna be working on uh, in the Philippines and the barrio, uh, the mountainous areas. Uh, Barangay, I believe, is the area. I'm probably butchering that uh, pronunciation. Barangay, Barangay. Um, so the kids in the mountains, man, getting to and from school, sometimes they have to cross rivers, things like that, and their shoes are all ratty and terrible. And uh, we're going to, I think we're going to end up spending around uh, 250 to $300 of, of our money, of our savings into getting shoes for these kids that way they can make it to and from school uh, and not you know have cuts and stickers and thorns all on their feet uh that is one project where we have coming up that i'm pretty excited about another one is we are sponsoring two gentlemen from that same area to run for their local uh their local council chamber basically they're they're going to be um 
putting themselves up, I guess, is uh, if you would look at it in the U.S., you'd say kind of like as the Chamber of Commerce head or the director of um, basically the the boss of the area. Uh, and these gentlemen are gentlemen that I trust a whole lot and that I've been donating with for a little while now. Uh, so we're going to be supporting them in their endeavors to uh, become political and hopefully uh, that politicization leads to uh, recognition of Give the Goodness Global and we will have a little bit more visibility if that comes through, um, especially while they're campaigning and going door to door. So we're going to be donating, I believe, about one to 2,000 peso per per applicant. And there are, there are going to be two of them. Uh, so that'll be, that's a project we have coming up here in the next, I believe on October 1st. And let's see what else have I got written down here. Um, as always, we will continue to support Ratana and her family. Um, they were my very first project and I will continue to donate to them until I, until I die. Like that's just, that's just going to happen period. Um, and there is a, there's an organization here in CM Reap called the Shintamani organization. Heard about them, uh, through another philanthropist. They, they can help build people houses. If they're homeless, they can help give people a social welfare credit. Uh, so a lot of the families in the village that I'm supporting right now would be eligible for, uh, basically a welfare check from the Shintamani foundation. I'm going to do my best. I've got some meetings coming up, trying to set up with these, uh, organizational heads in order to bring them out to that area, to give them exposure. That's why we took so many pictures the last time we were out and took so many videos of the living situations for these people is to get. Uh, visibility for the Shintamani to see, to come out and, and recognize like, okay, these people are struggling. We're going to help. Um, and our last big project I think is going to be, oh, shoot. Oh, we're going to be doing a story series. So every, every family in that barrio, um, we are going to be getting on paper their names their stories how they got there what their lives have been like um why they they are living a life of poverty how it's affected them personally and um we're going to be taking that and creating uh probably shirts and pamphlets and things of that nature and then there's one more that i'm excited really 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 excited about there's one young man in the that village uh, who wants to work more than anything in the world. He like wants a job. He, he needs a job. He wants it so bad, but, yeah, uh, it's very difficult to find work here, especially if you don't speak English, his English isn't great, but there is a, uh, scholarship available at a certain restaurateur or hotel management school that we're going to be working to try and see if we can get them to allow him in on that project, if it's something that he is interested in. Because the last time that we were out, he did express interest in wanting to work and was asking everyone, you know, everyone that was with me at the crew at the time, if they had work for him, where he could work, what he could do. So uh, I'm going to try and put two and two together there and see see if they fit together and uh, get him on the right path where he can work and learn some English and and start making money and not have to live in a tent anymore. Yeah, that's amazing. And so while you're doing $40, a $40 donation will feed a family of four or five for an entire month. So to yeah. think about that. So I know people listening here, 40 bucks is not a lot of money to us, but you're going to end up feeding a family for an entire month. And just think of that. So that means for less than 500 bucks, you can feed an entire family for a year. And so Absolutely. we're definitely going to leave all of the, the links in the show notes, but maybe where can people reach you? Uh, I can be reached at give the goodness global on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook, same name, give the goodness global. Uh, you'll notice us by um, our profile picture is often the head of the Buddha, and then you'll see a circle. Always remember to get the goodness. Um, we also have a Wix site. Uh, I 
don't have the URL off the top of my head, but it is posted on the Facebook and on the Instagram. Um, if you click on our link tree, it'll show you every available option. We have a spring tree store that we sell merchandise for and every dollar of the merchandise sold from that store spring tea uh, goes and gets recycled directly back into give the goodness global outreach charity projects not a single dime of it goes in anyone's pocket it goes directly to the people that we are supporting so um uh, i love that and the i have marked down all the products to where there's only one dollar profit on every single product. So the the prices are pretty high there and we might be switching to Shopify soon, but just for, for sake of purpose, um, everything has been marked down to the point where now if you buy something, we will be able to feed people with that money. Yeah, that's amazing. You're doing so much good work. Um, I'm definitely grateful for you and that I, I we've crossed paths because man, the effect you're having and hopefully that listeners can help out too is that doesn't end right it's a ripple effect that just goes on and on and it's so important right and i think i don't think when we're young we realize i think as you start to get older you realize like it's all connected right the same thing here you can be sitting in wherever part of the world you're in and you don't even have to leave you can go check out the links here and you can donate and help out cody at his cause and this will change lives not just now it could change lives for generations to come so yeah, we'll leave all those links there, but thank you. Hey man, absolutely, 100%, and I appreciate you saying so. And uh, just just for this, uh, anyone listening, you, you don't have to know anything about charity to get involved in making charitable actions happen. Just charity is not some boardroom operated thing that has to come about because the government says so and it's not about tax exempt statuses and it's not about getting recognition constantly because for what you're doing for people charity is as simple as being kind to someone else uh that's why you know give the goodness global that's why it's called what it's called give the goodness we're giving goodness we're being kind to people we're not being nice there's a very big difference there but we're being kind and we're trying to spread goodness in the world and it's as easy as saying hi to somebody if they're walking, if you're walking down the street, you know, and I mean, maybe from the listeners in New York, don't do that. But uh, if you were else, maybe why wave, say hello, introduce yourself to your neighbors. You know, if, if, if you're having a bad, someone's having a bad day, reach out to them um, real quick. I always like to touch on this mental health wise. Um, I personally have struggled with um, anxiety and depression and all PTSD. And and I'll tell you right now, like if if you have anyone in your life that you know that struggles with those things, pick up your phone and reach out. Reach out to that person. Get a hold of them. Send them a meme. Send them a text message. Send them a phone call. It doesn't matter if they answer right away or not. Um, but please, you know, do do yourself the favor. Do them the favor. Do us all the favor. And let's kind of let's work together to stem uh, and work stem uh, mental health issues and mental health issues that spiral to a point of no return where we may not have our friends back. So if you're hearing this at the end of this, reach out, reach out to your buddies. You know, everybody's got somebody. Find somebody that you can say hi to and, uh, you know, let them bend your ear for a little while. Yeah, that's so important what you just said, because we could say one thing that could take someone down off a ledge or put someone up on a ledge. And absolutely, I, I had like, I write a lot and <clears throat> I had this like kind of poem. I don't know if it's a poem, but I, I had this little article I wrote and I didn't share it with anybody for the longest time. It was just kind of got me through a, a rough time. And then I started sharing it and two people told me that it stopped them from killing themselves. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's not why I shared it, but like, whoa, right? So your your words, yeah, like our words can have that kind of an impact. Where, and I'm I'm sharing it. I'm not sharing it with anyone. I'm keeping it to myself at first, which is really selfish, right? And now you have that kind of an impact. It's like whoa. So yeah, just our words that definitely have to be careful. Eddie, we could lift someone up or take someone down with our words. And just like you said, a smile for a stranger who's having a bad day that could turn their whole day around. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, do you know what a moonshot is? I think you're already way past the moonshot, but a moonshot is like a, a vision you have that's just so far out there that it just seems like it's impossible, but it's not. And so do you have a moonshot for this to 10 years, 15 years or so? I know you want to do this for the rest of your life. That's why I'm asking. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, man. The moonshot for me used to be uh, create this into an NGO that is on every continent on the planet. It's in every country. It's got, mission. I'll call it missionaries, or we have representatives on soil in every single country operating and making sure that um, people aren't hungry and people are homeless. And that's that's a moonshot for me is... Uh, there's we got somebody on every country and, and uh, all over the earth making sure that the goodness is being given. Beautiful. I love it. Um, and I think maybe if you're okay, do you want to talk about maybe what are some of mentors, maybe some books you've read or just things that have influenced your life to get you to this point? Because I can see, I don't know if you see it, but I can see that even though that military experience, it's brought you to this side. And like, so that's how your story is your superpower. Even the word you're saying, boots on ground, organizations in the soil, every continent, operations, deployment, like this kind of stuff. <laughs> but now using it this way, right? So if you didn't learn that, and so that's how your story is your superpower. And the other component we have here is what we focus on expands. And obviously you're doing that so beautifully, but I kind of just wonder like, always for everybody like what are your mentors or what are some books that helped you get here and maybe someone else will read those man i tell you what um one of my favorite books of all time is the art of war by sun tzu um obviously the i i not obviously but i had read a translated version uh because it's originally in either mandarin or cantonese chinese book um that book changed my life in so many different ways because it's applicable to just about every part of your life. It's a book about warfare mostly. It's a book about tactics. However, if you kind of read between the lines, you can recognize what part of your life you can apply certain aspects of this book to. And that book, man, it's it, nearly every day you could find uh, a situation that you can apply some part of that book to. That was definitely one book that that I love so much. Uh, another one was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, I can't remember the name of the follow-up books, but the essentially The Ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide by Douglas Adams. That book changed me in such, such, such a way. Um, I think it, it has a lot to say about um, racism and non-spatial racism. And it's all about conformity and recognizing that despite our differences, we're all the same. Everyone is the same. Like, uh, I loved that book so much. Um, I was the embodiment of Arthur Dent at one point, constantly worried, constantly my anxiety is through the roof. You know, all I'm worried about are my slippers and my cup of tea and, and where, you know, I'm, what's the next reader's digest going to say that kind of thing. Um, other than that, uh, mentors, man. Oh, I have met people, uh, man. I have met people that have, uh, that have changed my life in very significant ways. Um, some of them I'm going to keep to myself, uh, but others like, uh, Zaki Angkor Wat, man, that guy, anytime I'm feeling down or I feel like I'm not doing enough, uh, Zaki's always there to be like, Hey man, you're helping, you are doing it. You are out here, you're doing the thing. Who else is doing it? You know, of course there are other organizations obviously that are, they're much more successful and a lot larger than I am. Um, but he encourages me to, to remember that, you know, you're doing it too. So don't downtrod, don't be downtrodden and don't let anyone step on you. Um, and another person is a very close friend of mine. Her name is CJ. Cicely Jean or Sija, as I like to call her, sweetheart, if you are listening to this, which I know you will be, uh, number one, I love you very much, but CJ is kind of like Zachy. I, I don't know how I got so lucky to, as to start attracting these people in my life, but it's, it, it's just the most, they're the most amazing people. And CJ is like the, 
most pure example, perfect example of a pure hearted, good Samaritan, but real human being uh, that, that I could ever have thought to come across. Without her, this program would have never happened. I would have never gone to Southeast Asia to travel in the first place. And uh, just spending time with CJ alone, uh, even not alone, just spending time with her in general has changed me for the better. It is essentially, it's like, it's almost as though she's a mirror and a very beautiful mirror that you look into that changes your heart and makes you feel loved and makes you realize and recognize what you're capable of and helps raise you up and lift you up whenever you need it. And, and it's, it's the strangest thing because she is, a she is just one of my favorite people in the entire world. Huge hippie, love her to death. Um, I, I, I fucking, yeah, excuse me. I cannot wait for her to, to hear this podcast and, and to be on here, but she, I owe it all to, I owe it all to CJ. So CJ, when you hear this, thank you. Thank you. And we're going to continue to do this until I die. So we appreciate you. And thank you for being, uh, being there for me when I needed someone more than anything else. Yeah, that's beautiful. You said at the beginning of that, that you're, you're lucky to have those people come in your life. And I was thinking that it's a mirror. It's because of you, what you're doing, what you're sending out, the signal, the vibration, that it's a mirror. It just bounces back. And then you said mirror, which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, and yeah. it reminds me of the book, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And he says, when you want a thing bad enough, the universe conspires to make it happen. I, it's, I love that you say that, man, because I have felt that so many times in my life. There have been moments where, you know, I wasn't going to be able to make my rent or I wouldn't be able to, to do whatever it was that I was going to be able to do at the time. And then just out of nowhere at the last minute, something happens and bam, everything's fine. Everything works out. I don't know why. I don't know how you'd want it enough. It, and it just, poof, it happened. So yeah, that's, I love that quote so much. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I got, but is there anything you want to say, or some wisdom or some, anything you want to say before we sign off? Be kind. Just, it, it, it's a lot easier to be kind to people than it is to be a jerk or to be mean or to, to be a terrible person. Um, so be as kind as you can, as long as you can. And, you know, if you can't be kind, <laughs> that's okay too. But you don't have to be unkind, you know? You can just choose to say nothing. And I struggle with this myself sometimes because I have a very smart mouth on me. Um, but uh, if if you can't be kind, just say nothing and yeah. walk away. But be as kind as you can be and spread kindness and you'll receive it back, I promise you. Beautiful. Do you know who Wayne Dyer is? I do not. All right. So he's um, he's a very spiritual guy. He was on Oprah a lot. He's just really cool guy. But he uh, he just passed away a couple years ago, unfortunately. But he uh, he was in the South Pacific in the army in the seventies, eighties, and he has something he says about that where it's um, if you have a choice between being kind and being right always be kind the book he has it's called i can see clearly now it's an amazing book as far as just how to write a book but it's also his life story it's littered with synchronicity and manifestation and looking back and saying oh that was happening the whole time and just weird coincidence right i don't believe in coincidence but yeah no so. me neither me neither <laughs> so cody i'm so grateful for your time today thank you so much and i really appreciate it JP, brother, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it very much. And as they say here in Siem Reap or in Cambodia and Khmer, Akun. Uh, Welcome to the Phase 4 Podcast.